Man, guys, good morning. If uh, you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open up with me to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. We're walking through this book of Daniel, uh, which is really an amazing Old Testament book. It, it, it has to probably be one of my favorites, but it's got a little bit of everything, right? It, it's got Old Testament history. Um, it, it's got a lot of prophecy. So if you like kind of the end time stuff, we're about to, to get into that soon. And so uh, it's got that. But it also has just a ton to do with, with our life right here and, and right now. Because the truth is, no matter how much we know about God, uh, no matter how many times God has is, is shown up in our lives and, and proven to us uh, who He is and how He's got us and how He holds us and that He's with us, no matter, no matter how, how, how long we've walked with the Lord, we still struggle uh, with, with anxiety and fear when life gets hard. And, and, and things press in on us. And the book of Daniel is just a great place to turn with all of that. And, and so this morning, we're going to be in, in chapter 3. And, and I, I don't know if you're in a place in life this morning that you're kind of feeling the heat. But if you are, this, this story should resonate with you. And so join me in a word of prayer, if you don't mind, as we invite the Holy Spirit to come and teach us and guide us. Um, Father God, you are good, and we thank you so much for your word. We know that it's true. We know that it's right, we know that it's alive, and that it's active, that's sharper than a double-edged sword. We know that it is able to penetrate even to the darkest places of our heart. Um, we know that it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness, and we just kind of come before you this morning and say, God, we need a little bit of all that. And we pray um, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you do just that in our lives. Holy Spirit, we recognize that you are the teacher of this church. We ask that you would come and be with us in, in a special manifestation of the presence of God that you would teach us the word of God from the inside out, which is supernatural. And we pray for that supernatural teaching to happen uh, here today in our midst. Uh, please exalt Jesus Christ that we might see him clearly and want him more than anything else. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So guys, Daniel chapter 3, let's read it together. Uh, there's a lot here, but, but we're going we're gonna to try to get to it. So here it comes. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue, 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. I don't know if you're into construction, but those dimensions freak me out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? 90 feet tall, I want a little wider base, okay? But evidently, uh, maybe they ran out of gold because the whole thing was made out of gold. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not going any wider on the base, okay? That's what you get. So it's 90 feet high and it's 9 feet wide. He sets it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to assemble the satraps, the uh, prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all of the rulers of the provinces to attend the dedication of the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the advisors and the treasurers and the judges and the magistrates and all the rulers of the provinces, they assembled for the dedication of the statue that the king had set up. And then they stood before the statue Nebuchadnezzar had set up. A herald loudly proclaimed, People of every nation and language, you are commanded when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the drum, and every kind of music, you are to fall face down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, when all the people heard the sound of the horn and the flute and the zither and the lyre and the harp and every kind of music, people of every nation and language fell down and they worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, some of the Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. We're talking about Daniel and his friends, uh, 
There are other Jews, but we know that Daniel and his friends are the ones that through their faithfulness to God have risen up into high places in Babylon government. And so the other people that are underneath them are, are looking for, for, for a way to, to get them. And so it says, some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. You, as king, have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn and the flute and the zither and the lyre and the harp and the drum, every kind of music, must fall down and worship the gold statue. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Now, just a little a side note about worship. Worship, um, you're not, you, you know you're not really worshiping if you're looking at what the other people around you are doing, amen? Right? They're supposed to be bowing down and worshiping the gold statue. How did they know that the Jews weren't? I'm just curious. I'm just curious, right? Some of you, I'm, I'm not saying you necessarily in this room, but sometimes people in church are like that, right? They're a little worried, a little too concerned about what other people around them are doing, and uh, that's not really worship. And so um, it, it says that when the king heard this, then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gives orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the, the men are brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I've set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the zither and the lyre and the harp and the drum and every kind of music, then fall down and worship the statue that I made. But if you don't worship, you're immediately going to be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power. That's one of those you might want to underline that in your Bible. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, it's my favorite verse in Daniel coming up, by the way. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. Ready? If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. Here we go. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you set up. Ooh. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage. And the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, he actually cared for them. He thought highly of His expression has now changed. He's now filled with rage. His face uh, transformed is kind of how the original uh, language would, would read. And he gave orders to heat the furnace up seven times more than was customary. And he commanded some of the best soldiers in his army, tie up Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men in their trousers and robes and head coverings and all the other clothes were tied up and they were thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent, the furnace extremely hot, uh, the raging flames killed those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It is so hot that the dudes that are throwing them in die. Okay? And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. And he said to his advisors, Didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, Look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and he called, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, your servants of the Most High God, come out. 
So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. When the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's advisors gathered around them, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair on their heads was singed. Their robes were unaffected. And there was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and they risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I issue a decree that anyone of any people, nation, or language who says anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb and his house made a garbage dump. For there is no other God who is able to deliver like this. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Whew. I don't even know that I got to preach. We just read it. All right. God bless you. Uh, They pay me for a little more than that. But uh, three things I want to share with you quickly, okay? And here's the first. I want you to know this morning, guys that heated situations are unavoidable in life, okay? Heated situations are unavoidable in life. I I wanted to add to this point, especially if you're a follower of God. Heated situations are unavoidable in life, especially if you're a follower of God. Now listen, uh, the odds that you will ever um, be asked to bow down to a 90-foot-tall, 9-foot-wide statue of gold and worship it are pretty slim, okay? Can we just confess that from the very beginning? It's pretty slim that that's, gonna, that, that's the situation you're going to find yourself in, okay? But that's not really the point. The point is that as followers of God, we will frequently find ourselves facing trials and tests to our faith, right? It began in, in Daniel chapter 1, and Daniel is surrounded, it's taken into captivity, and, and they want to change his identity, and they want to change his diet, and those things would go against what, what he, he should do, right? They, they offer him meat sacrifice to idols, basically. And he says, no, I don't want meat sacrifice to idols. Like, that's, I'm not going to do that. And so it begins there, and then, then we kind of we move here, and now it's not meat sacrifice to idols. It's idols. Now, now, it's, now, now it's not just, hey, you're eating meat sacrifice. Now it's like, bow down and worship an idol. And by the way, guys, the... the Two commandments, I'm the Lord your God, right? You'll have no other gods before me. Second commandment is don't bow down to idols, right? Don't make it. So these are like the top two commands, right? And and the point that the author is trying to make is that when you're living in exile, which we are, by the way, this, this world is not our home. When you're living in exile, you're going to be surrounded with voices other than that of God. And and those voices are going to make all kinds of demands on you. And so there's going to be a constant struggle for the believer to stay true to their faith. Ring a bell? Feel familiar? This time it's a statue, right? This time it's a statue. It was a dream before that. It was food before that. This time it's a statue. And again, the chances you're going to have to bow down to a statue of gold before a pagan king. Like, that's pretty slim, right? But the truth is that as believers, we're constantly going to come face to face with these heated situations, these difficult situations. And, and by the way, guys, this is what Jesus promised. I, I just want to let you in on that, right? This is, this is Jesus in John chapter 16. He says, I, I've told you these things so that it, in me you, you might have peace. Okay, but you're going to have suffering in this world. Be courageous, though I have 
conquered the world. And so Jesus promised. I just kind of want to start here with this truth. I, I, I think sometimes we, we as Christians fail to realize just the basic truths of life. I, I know that sounds crazy, right? We, 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 we know the doctrine, but the basic things of life, like, hey, life is going to be really hard. Sometimes we just rose-colored glasses, act like that's not the case, or we act like it's not supposed to hurt, or that we're not in pain, or that as a Christ follower, I've got to have it all together. Like, we, we believe all these wrong things. And so I, I just think sometimes it's helpful to have kind of a big overarching truth that, listen, guys, in life, it's going to be hard. So heated situations are unavoidable. They're part of life. They're promised by Jesus is the first thing. Second thing I want you to understand, though, is this, guys, is that we face two kinds of flames, all right? We, we actually face two different kinds of flames. And so I spent this week thinking and praying through the passage. And like I said, it's one of my favorites and, uh, because I, I love that, that response right there in, in verse 17 and 18, like our God can rescue us, but then verse 18, but even if he doesn't, whoo, that is the place you want to get to, my friends. That's the place, that is the sweet spot of your Christian walk. And, uh, but I was praying this week, Lord, what's the universal truth I can share here, right? What's the universal truth? Because the, the people of God are living in exile. They're undoubtedly going to find themselves in he- heated situations. And so I was like, well, God, why is that the case? Why, why is that the case? I know you promised it, but why, why are we always going to find ourselves in these, these, these really difficult, heated situations? And the Lord kind of just, just impressed my spirit, like, hey, go study this fire thing. And, and, and I want you to know that there's a couple sources. And so the first reason why we, we face the flames is, is actually in our text. It's in our text. Because we, we, we face the, the fire because of a pagan king. That's the truth. Right? We face the fire because of a, a pagan king. Now, now, now listen, uh, the Bible says that Satan is the ruler of this world. He's the ruler of this fallen world. That's what he, that, the Bible declares it, right? He, he is the pagan king. I mean, that, that's who he is. So we are exiles living in this fallen world, living in captivity under, under the captor, under the pagan king named, named Satan. And, and, and just like... That pagan king Nebuchadnezzar, Satan, wants us to bow down. He demands our allegiance. And he promises us the world if we give it to him. He did that with Jesus. You guys remember Jesus in the desert, right? Satan takes Jesus, the son of God who made all things up onto a mountain. And is like, I'll give you everything you see. I, just, I, I, I wish Jesus was more like my teenager at that point in the scripture, right? Talk back to Satan in that one moment. I just want to hear him mouth off. Really? You dummy? I made it all. Right? He doesn't. Just, just says no. Friends, what I'm here to tell you is, listen, Satan is that pagan king, and he wants you to bow down. And, and, and I'm here to tell you, if you don't, the moment that you stand up to him, the moment that you look him in the eye, the moment that you say, I'm done with that sin, the moment that you say, I'm not going back, the moment that you say, I'm changed, the moment that you say, I'm righteous, the moment that you say, I am forgiven, the moment that you say, I'm free, you are going to tick him off and he's going to crank up that furnace. And I know what the Bible says. I know, don't quote me Bible, don't shoot me an email this week and say, well, the Bible says if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. He will eventually But if you don't think that the moment you tell Satan that you're done with him, that he won't crank up the flames and turn up the... Listen, the flames are about intimidation. They're about intimidation. Nebuchadnezzar is trying to force people to surrender. 
He's trying to force people, right? And listen, Satan does the same thing. He does the same thing. So that's the first type of fire, guys. That is the first type of fire that we we face. Okay? Maybe you didn't know that the enemy used fire, but I'll, I'll prove it to you. Ephesians chapter 6 says we need to be dressed for battle. You know why it says we have to be dressed? Check this out. In every situation, we've got to take up the shield of faith. Why? In which you can extinguish, huh? All the what? Flaming arrows. Man, I'm telling you, the enemy uses fire. The pagan king uses fire to intimidate us, to try to force us to bow down and worship. Okay? So that's the first reason why we find ourselves in heated situations. But there's another reason the Bible says uh, that fire is not just meant to attack us or scare us into submission, but is also used by God to refine us. It's used by God to refine us. Psalm 6610 uh, says, For you, God, tested us. You refined us as silver is refined. Now, maybe you're not familiar with that whole refining process, but uh, I watch Gold Rush, and I know how it works, okay? (laughs) You get a big dozer, and you clear off the land, and then you get a massive excavator, and you dig it up, and then you put it on uh, a conveyor belt that shakes all the rocks out of it, and then it's got to come down. and, and, And anyway, you eventually get gold nuggets, and then those are, you ain't done yet. You just, you just found the, the, the old dirty gold. Then you got to take that gold and you got to put it into fire. And when you melt that gold, all the impurities come out of that gold. And then they, they dip those impurities off. And the more impurities they can get out of that gold, the brighter it shines and the more valuable it is. And the Bible says that God uses difficulties in life. He uses heated situations to refine our character that we might look more like Him and less like us, that we might shine like stars in the universe as we hold out the word of life. So I'll just prove it to you through the text real quick, throughout the Bible. So Psalm 6610, Proverbs 17.3 says it this way, a crucible for silver, a smelter for gold. The Lord is the tester of hearts. Isaiah 48.10 Look, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. 1 Peter 1.7 You rejoice in this, even though now, for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief and various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See it? That's what I'm saying to you, to those of you that are feeling the heat this morning. Maybe that's all of you. Maybe that's half of you. Maybe it's just one of you. You need to pray for discernment. Because sometimes the flames we're facing are because of that dadgum pagan king. And when it's a pagan king, there's a response. And that response is, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't done But other times, God is trying to do away with something in your life. He's trying to purify you. So we pray, God, would you give me discernment? That's the the one promise of Scripture you need to make part of your daily life, that God says anyone who lacks wisdom can ask for it, and he will give it generously without finding fault. I I, kind of jokingly refer to it as the I've lost my wallet and keys prayer. Uh, But but I I know it sounds silly. 
I can lose stuff and lay it down in like crazy places. And, and God is so gracious, even in the small things in life. He's just like, here you go. I'm like, Lord, that is cool. Other people are like, how do you do that? I don't do it. The Lord is just gracious. We got to pray for discernment because there are two types of flames, two different purposes. All right. And so I want you to know that's the case. Okay. So uh, third thing. Third thing. So heated situations are unavoidable. Second point, there are two kinds of flames in life. Third point, this is the beauty of the gospel. This is what I love. No matter what type of flames you're facing, remember Jesus is with you. This is the beauty of the gospel. No matter what types of flames, whether it's the enemy that's bringing it, whether it's the enemy that is cranking up the furnace, or whether it's God that is refining us, The truth of the gospel is that Jesus is with us in the fire. And so uh, I want to pick up in verse 22 and read through uh, 25 again. And this is what it says. It says, since the king's command was so urgent, the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm, and he said to his advisors, Didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, Look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire, unharmed and ready. The fourth looks like... A son of the gods. I love that verse. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Now, some people will say that that's just an angel. I'm okay with that interpretation. A lot of people, though, believe, and that's my belief, that this is actually Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ, standing in the flames with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Either way... Whichever you believe, the truth remains that God is with them. And guys, that's the point of the series. The point we're trying to drive home every single week is that when we face difficulties, and they will come, some of you are in the middle of some of the greatest difficulties you've ever faced right now. And the reminder is this, God has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He is with you. We have a God that is with us in the flames. Jesus chose to step into humanity, into the flames, to be with us. And I want you to look at his promise. Ready? It's his proof. Matthew 28, 20. It says, and remember, I am with you. Always to the very end of the age. Now, before he said this, he told his followers that they were going to be persecuted. Before he made this promise, he told his followers that the world was going to reject him. Before he made this promise, he told them that the world was going to hate them because they hated him. Before he made this promise, he told them that the world might even kill them, right? And then after all that, he says, and remember... But remember, no matter what comes your way, remember, I will be with you no matter where you are. Makes a difference. You will not be alone. That is the theme of the study. What does God say to his kids when they get scared? Do not be afraid. For what? For I am 
with you. I am with you. Nebuchadnezzar looks into the flames and he sees four men walking around and one looks like the Son of God. Listen, I know that it's hot. I know that it's hard. I know that some of you feel like you can't take it and you can't endure it anymore. But you can. And here's why. Because you are not alone. Because you are not alone. Okay? What do we do with that? How do we take that message and put it into practice? Right? Here's our, here's our application, our homework this week. All right? Step one. And, and, and this is because I don't want you to be disappointed. All right? So we don't presume that God will save us, but we believe that he can. All right? Listen, if you presume that God will save you from every difficult situation in life, you have a warped view of God, and when you're in a season of suffering, you think that God has left you. You follow me? Anybody know some people? Anybody? I'm not going to make you raise your hand. I'm one of those people, right? I, but we, we know some folks, and some of those folks we look at every day in the mirror uh, that, that, that have bought this belief, right? Well, I'm in a season of suffering. This is very difficult. Life is hard. And, and so we presume that God was going to save us. Now listen, God can save us. We need to believe that God can save us. But the prayer is, or, or, or the statement is, listen, my God can save me, but if he doesn't save me, I ain't going nowhere. That's the, that's the statement. And it's an understanding God is able, but for his purposes, he may choose not to. And listen, and he's worthy. And he's good. Let me ask you, is God worthy of the flames? Is he worthy of death? That's what we got to know, right? You say, I don't, I don't, I don't want to die. Well, Jesus said we got to die every day. <laughs> got to die to yourself, right? Take up your cross and follow me. Is he worthy of the flames? And so, so listen, if he is, and I believe he is, then this becomes our attitude. I don't presume God's going to save me from my situation. Uh, therefore, I, I'm not a prosperity gospel kind of guy. Uh, so when, when life is hard, I don't think God has left me. I don't think he's abandoned me. I don't think he no longer works. I don't think he no longer does miracles. I just believe that if, if God has me in the flames, he's refining me. If he's not rescuing me, he's refining me. And I just, I just say, yes, Lord. Okay? Second thing. Ah. Uh, we focus on being faithful. So I, I gave this, this little key away in week one. But if you focus on being faithful, you don't have to worry about the flames. You just don't. Guys, if our goal when we die on the, on the tombstone, if our goal is just faithful, I was, I was faithful to Jesus, then it doesn't matter what affliction comes your way. Because your end result wasn't, wasn't money, it wasn't power, it wasn't fame, it was just faithful. I just, I, whatever God has for me, whatever situation, like I'm down, that, that's what I want to do. I always want to choose God. I don't want to choose me. If our aim is to be faithful, then the flames don't really matter. Because if that's what he has for us, so be it. Guys, the history of the Christian faith is that tons of men and women that have gone before us were burned at stakes. They were, they were 
they were quartered, uh, you know, pulled apart. They were, they were wrapped up and tied up in ro- uh, ropes, entire families, and thrown off of bridges and mass drownings. Try, to, try not to picture that. Helpless fathers looking at their kids, watching them breathe their last breath underwater. Like, like this is our history. It's, that's the truth of the matter. You, you can't be disconnected from the history of the Christian faith. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And, and, and so listen, our focus then is not on health and wealth. And, and with, you know, it's, it's just, it can't be. Our focus is, I just want to be faithful, God, with what you've given me, right? I'm, I'm going to be a faithful teacher. I'm going to be a, 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 a faithful, you know, you fill in the blank with whatever you do. I'm just going to be faithful. That's my goal. And then the flames don't matter, okay? And, and last thing I would tell you is, uh, is this one. We need to learn how to thank Jesus for his presence. So we have a tendency to forget that God is always with us. I'm not trying to step on your toes this morning. This is love. Preaching to myself first. We have a tendency to say, God, where are you in this? Why aren't you fixing this? Where are you? Why are you not doing something about this? And yet the beauty of the gospel is that we have a God, God, Jesus is God, y'all. He is God. And God chose to step out of heaven and into the flames to be with us. Emmanuel, right? God what? With us. Some of us in the room this morning just need to be reminded he's here. And maybe that involves a little repentance on our part because we've ignored that presence. And we just need to turn and say, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you for being with me. And so what I want to do this morning is we're going to close in a word of prayer. Um, Jacob's going to lead us. We're going to do a little uh, introspective praying this morning. Uh, This is our our time of response. It's in your seats. You don't have to get uncomfortable or come out. Um, Don't freak out if the lights get a little lower. It's the only time in the service this will happen. We'll turn them back on. Eyes can adjust. But just for a moment here. I want us to pray. and I, I, We do this with the light sometimes, guys. It's not because we like darkness or we don't believe God is light. It's not. We do it so hopefully you're not, you're not so caught up or distracted by the people to your right or to your left that you can just focus on God. And so here's the question I want you to answer first, just in a spirit of prayer with just your head bowed and your eyes closed. Just, just this, this question, what, what flames am I facing right now? What's the heated situation? Is it finances? Is there a struggle in in your marriage? Something just bigger than you can fix right now. And you just, and this is what I'm facing. It's it's legitimate. It's true. Okay? Is it a situation with your kids? Is it stuff at at work? I mean, what, what is that? What, what are the flames? Like what, what's the, the thing that you're struggling with right now? Let let me rephrase it. Right now, if you could ask God to rescue you from something, right now, if you say, God, I I want you to rescue me, you get one wish, right? I'm not saying God's a genie, but I'm saying if there was one thing, you could say, God, rescue me from this one thing. What is that thing? What is it? What is the one thing? God, rescue me from this one thing. What is that thing? I just want you to name it. I want you to be honest with God. Say, God, here's my one thing. Here's the one thing I'm asking, right? That's that's step one, God. Here's what I'm asking you to rescue me from. Now here's the hard part. Some of you, that was hard, but it gets harder. Ready? 
Now pray this with me. God, I will serve you. Say it. God, I will serve you even if you don't. God, even if you don't rescue me from that thing I'm asking for, I'm going to believe it's for my good. I'm going to choose that today. We choose, friends. We choose how we respond. God, today I choose to respond and believe that if you don't rescue me, it's for my good. You're refining me. If you're not rescuing, you're refining. You're making me shine. So God, I'm going to choose that. And here's the last part of this prayer this morning. This is huge. Don't open your eyes because you're going to be talking to somebody in a second. Just in your spirit, with your eyes closed, I want you to turn your head to one side, either side. I'm looking. Y'all aren't turning your heads. To a side. And I just want you to whisper this. Thank you, Jesus, for being with me. so sorry man I haven't been talking to you I think I forgot that you were here in the car with me I think I forgot that you were there in the room with me I think I forgot that you were there Jesus thank you you've seen every tear you've seen every fit of rage and this morning I just want to thank you for being with me you are so, so good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't have all the answers. I don't. But I think that's how you respond to Daniel chapter 3. Just one guy. Right. Pray with me as our ushers come forward this morning. Let's pray about our morning offering. Father, thank you for being with us. Lord, as my ushers come this morning... I want to pray right now for the offering. Uh, I want to pray. Y'all, y'all can walk and we can pray with our eyes open. So I need my ushers to come while I pray. Lord, uh, we, we just give you this morning. We give you this time and we give you our lives. And uh, God, this is just a symbol. This is a sign. And it's a symbol that you're the king. We don't serve a pagan king. We don't, we don't bow down to statues. You're our king. And so, King Jesus, we bring the tithe into the storehouse this morning, and we just believe that you're going to take it, and you're going to multiply it, and you're going to use it for your glory and for your gain and for your kingdom. And so be glorified in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.